Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Well, I'll be happier than a milkman's horse. We are back here for Star Trek Lower Decks discussions here on Transporter Lock. Why, Captain Sabriel Mastin, I do declare it is very agreeable to see you on the show again. Well, I think you are right about it being declarable. Well, we twain this introduction, Chief Engineer Ken Gagney. Because this is something that we never expected to come back, and yet it did. <laughs> that they brought this back. This episode just blew me away. I was so happy. Uh, hello. Hello to you, and uh, welcome to our audience, to our listeners, to our fans and fellow Trekkies. This is Transporter Lock. I'm Chief Engineer Ken Gagney, joined as always by Captain Sabriel Mastin. Hello, Sabriel. Hello again. We've got four episodes to discuss this week because we've had time travel issues, tech issues. Someone was kidnapped on their way to a conference. So we've got a lot to squeeze in today. Poor Jordy. They always abuse well, him so was badly. Too? Yes. Jordy was too? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not much for Trek news in the last four weeks. Star Trek Infinite came out. I bought it and returned it. <laughs> Without even playing it. Without even playing it, there apparently there were some issues where the game might not even progress if you get to a certain point. Um, it's a tactical game simulation game based on the game Stellaris, which is a game I've always wanted, never got around to playing. Think civilization, think real-time strategy. It's called Forex. I don't remember what that all means. Explore, expand, ex- exploit, exfoliate, exploit. Okay. Um, Explore, expand, exploit, exterminate. <laughs> um, ways to ex- the game is basically you play the factions of the Alpha and Beta Quadrant and whichever one you do you have different goals and objectives so if you're the Federation you want to expand and spread peace throughout the galaxy if you're the Klingon Empire you want to empire things or um, same with the Romulans you have different goals and you don't have to go on those at all you can change your civilization to become something completely different um, uh, and it kind of progresses through the show like from TNG and on it's like there's this mysterious group of beings who are all cyborgs who come in and start attacking things and things like that. So, but apparently it was a little buggy at launch. And so like, uh, I've got other games coming soon, including uh city of skylines two, And I got to finish Zelda finally. And I got Baldur's gate three. Like I can wait until this one's a little cheaper and is maybe fixed. Yes. You should finish Zelda. I should finish super Mario wonder. And then we will, I hope, watch more Star Trek eventually, but there are no announcements about next air dates. Usually when one season of a show ends, they announce the next one. And we know that there is a fifth season of Discovery in the can. We hope that there's going to be a third season of Strange New Worlds because it ended on a cliffhanger. We know a fifth season of Lower Decks was ordered back in March. We do know, here's some Star Trek news, that the second season of Prodigy is going to air on Netflix. Uh, yeah. Um, so I wish Paramount had their own streaming service to put this on. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Um, so once, um, so I've already canceled my prescription, my prescription, my subscription to Paramount Plus. <laughs> like, all right, well, I canceled that about two weeks ago. So that'll, I got two free months. Like, well, I'm not going to use this. So I just canceled it. So, yeah, I think my annual subscription already renewed. And I don't know what else to do with that. So I guess I'm stuck with it until the next Star Trek airs, whenever that is. Maybe it'll be the Section 31 made-for-TV movie. Yeah, who knows when that's coming through. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this mystery project here. Uh, what we do know is Discovery comes in 2024. We know there's a season three of Strange New Worlds, even if they haven't announced it yet, because it was said that they actually started filming oh. the day the strike started. We've talked about this before. I forgot. Uh, and then um, that didn't happen because of strike <laughs> and they haven't actually announced the season. I mean, I guess technically it could be hearsay, but I don't, I guess take it with a grain of salt, but that's what I understand. Maybe Paramount will film the third season and then decide not to show it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they'll wait for their own streaming service to start. Right. Good Lord. <laughs> so yeah, Ken is all the way over in Germany. Hi, yes, I'm Guten Tag. I'm calling from Munich. I just arrived today and I've not yet been to sleep, so I'm a little jet lagged. I apologize if my energy is low. I'm trying to bring my best self to the podcast, 
but I use an app called Time Shifter that tells me when to sleep and for how much. And that's supposed to help me acclimate to the new time zone and minimize jet lag. And it told me to get only three hours of sleep on the plane here, which was an overnight red eye. So yeah, I could use a nap right about now. Like a, like a, like a nine hour nap. <laughs> uh, so with that, um, with that high energy that you've got going on here, we're going to wrap it by talking about four episodes today. Yeah. Four episodes of Lower Decks. Your okay. favorite Star Trek. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's up there. That and Strange New Worlds are my favorites here. Uh, yeah. So let's get going with the first one. A few badgies more. Yeah. Season three ended on a teaser that Badgie was still alive. And finally, we see that come to fruition. And he's not the seasoned villain. I thought he was going to be the big bad, but he wasn't. Yeah. Um, some salvagers uh, come find the cybernetic implant that Rutherford left behind. And then inside was Badgie. Well, Badgie ends up taking over their ship, as Badgie does. <laughs> I was glad he didn't take over the actual people on the ship, kind of like how that AI did in season two of Discovery. Oh, I forgot about that. Yep, yep. Yeah, because we already saw that recently. And like it looked like that's what he was going to do. And it looked like he like was able to inflict pain on them, but he didn't actually control their brains, Badgie. So I'm glad he didn't have that level of infiltration. Right. Uh, here, the, the mystery ship also grabbed some Binars, destroyed them. This is the first time we've seen Binars since they implemented the upgraded holodeck on the Enterprise D, right? Maybe they've showed up on lower decks, but in any meaningful way, more than a haha reference. Um, I think so. <laughs> right. Also, this episode is I'm skimming for here. It's been a month. Um, this is where they're talking about how grapplers are cool. And I love that they've started adding this into Star Trek lore that everyone loves the grapplers. They even did it in Strange New Worlds in the crossover episode, and then they're doing it here too. Oh, I, I knew that happened on Strange New Worlds. I forgot it was the crossover episode. That makes sense. They were all excited about it, and I think it was on. It's like, yeah, the grapplers are cool. <laughs> yeah, I like grapplers. Just to total deadpan delivery. See? <laughs> uh, that was just a random... Yeah, and coming from La'an, that almost felt like a moment of vulnerability for her to open up and share that about herself. Right? <laughs> uh, and she hasn't, she hasn't even started singing yet about trying to open up more. Uh, anyway, let's stop. Let's do it. I was really hoping you were going to say that she hasn't yet started singing about grapplers, because I want to hear that song. <laughs> uh, let's see. This episode is where I also had uh, Agamus and Peanut Hamper return. <laughs> yeah, that was sort of the B-plot. Uh, they had, was it Rutherford and Tendi? No, it was Boimler. And Boimler and Tendi. That's right. Agamus has claimed he had information on this mystery ship that's going around destroying everybody. And so they sent Boimler and Tendi to go talk to them. Uh, Tendi was supposed to go to speak with Peanut Hamper to talk about her parole, I think. Mm -hmm. Her parole hearing. And I love that these two, Agamus and Peanut Hamper, are like getting together, getting in on each other's plots and everything. They had this whole plan to break free from the planet and go take over the galaxy. And um, <laughs> and with um, Peanut Hamper got away on her own. Like, and then Agamus uses Boimler and Tendi to get to where they're gonna they were gonna meet up. How he likes he takes over an entire planet in just a couple of hours, um, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and apparently this was all part of Starfleet's plot to let Agamus go in whatever direction he needed to go to get his information out. And they're like, really. Uh, it's fast. I mean, Boimler said, yeah, this is nothing that Starfleet can't fix in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I got a kick out of it. Like, they play fast and loose. It's like, yeah, this is just a threat. And and they're making reference to like all the world's problem or all the show's problems happen to be fixed in like an hour. Oh, a little joke. Oh, that's I missed that joke. I get it. <laughs> I just hope nobody died in that coup. Uh, Starfleet to fix it. No, didn't you watch Who Watches the Watchers? There are things even Starfleet can't fix unless it's with Benedict Cumberbatch's blood. <laughs> right. right. I liked, since we were talking about um, Boimler and Tendi, I liked seeing the two of them together. That's not a pairing we get often. And I, I like it because usually it's like Rutherford and Tendi over here and Mariner and Boimler over there. And I like that they mixed it up a little bit. And I also liked when they were on the beach where Agamus was supposed to meet Peanut Hamper. 
And Tendi just had her shoes off and was playing in the sand. Yeah, and, <laughs> they're you know, not she, concerned at all. She was, I mean, she was just so utterly delighted. She's like, we don't have sand back home. If you want to stay here longer, that's okay with me. <laughs> I thought that was very cute. It was cute. I love Tendi. She's like one of my favorite characters. Mine too. The whole B plot is Agamus trying to deal with Peanut Hunt Pamper betraying him, or at least not going through with the whole plan. And he's sad about it. Do you think she's actually rehabilitated at this point? No, neither of them are. Because she actually stood him up and her, she said that she actually was sorry. But that was the whole plot of the last time she was on this show. She might be sorry. Doesn't mean that she is going to change, though. You think she'll just revert to her old ways? I mean, uh, no, it's possible. I don't think it's possible. I mean, you know how people are. <laughs> I mean, like, change is hard. Change is hard. It's going to be very hard. But that was a fun little subplot. But back to Badgy, Badgy mm-hmm. the AI. <laughs> and um, he's threatening to destroy the Cerritos. Rutherford offers himself up. And Mariner chases after him. He's like, What are you doing here? And she's like, Wait, you don't have a plan? He's like, No, how would I have had a plan? <laughs> he's ready to just die for the ship. Oh, um, sacrifice. Uh huh. Yeah, I liked the inner turmoil that Badgie had, and it was very reminiscent to me of some of the experiences GLaDOS has in the Portal game series. Uh, I liked how he just kept splitting off, and eventually we had three different Badgies, and one of them died, which I was not happy to see. Uh, And it actually wasn't until after the show was over, like the next day, that I realized why they called the remaining surviving Badgie Gucci. Like, I was... Badgie... Right, because the original Badgie has bad in his name. That's <laughs> what so they were playing on that. Gucci. And he's actually like a character on the show now, and he actually showed up in the series in the season finale. Yeah. <laughs> Poor logic Yes. Yeah, so, so they're not just writing off Gucci. There's it's not like just a one time gag. He might actually show up and like go on away missions. Who knows? With between uh, Rutherford showing Emotional support for Badgie. Yeah, so the personality split. And they go through this whole adventure. And then, um, was it Badgie starts connecting to all the computer networks? He's going to try to take control of Federation stuff all throughout the galaxy. He starts getting like all this power and he accidentally, he accidentally makes himself transcend <laughs> with the whole koala to, um, of course, there has to be a koala, uh huh, to a higher plane. Uh, let's see. As the as things people speculate, the queue continuum or go visit the Black Mountain if you watch Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah, I was a little confused about how quickly some of that scene happened. They're like, "Oh, if we go to warp nine point nine, then I can broadcast myself to all ships." I was like, "We've never heard that before in Star Trek. The faster you go, the more people you can communicate with." What fast and loose? <laughs> yeah, it was very fast and loose, and the way he just becomes. They realizes how pedantic his desire to overcome is once he is omniscient. Uh, there was a direct-to-video Superman movie like that where Lex Luthor gained Superman's powers. And the way Superman defeated him was by hitting him with a gravity gun, which not only made him heavier, but in some sort of a grand unified theory way that I don't understand, it also made like time speed up for Lex Luthor. And he realized that with all the powers he has as Superman, that trying to take over Metropolis was actually kind of petty (laughs) Uh because the universe is so big and why? Oh, my God. And I don't mean that he tried to take over something bigger. He just realized that domination itself is petty. So I was reminded of that and also reminded of Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen. Did you ever read that graphic novel or see the movie? No, I've only seen the movie. Okay. Well, he is... Oh, so you did see the movie. Yeah, I started answering before you finished the sentence. Uh, yeah, I've seen the movie. All I remember is going to Mars and his blueness all showing. Yeah, I did not see the movie. I did read the book. I assume both end the same with him basically departing our mortal plane, saying he's going to go start a new universe somewhere else. I don't remember that even. <laughs> I can see how okay. this <laughs> really got into my head. <laughs> Yeah, that's what happens in the comic book. He's just like, he becomes so powerful. He's like, everything that's, you know, the whole plot of this graphic novel that I've been a part of for the last 200 pages, it's actually kind of petty. I'm just going to go start a new universe. (laughs) I mean, I can see that, though. 
you go through the wars of of like the world and then the world tries to control you and you're like i am bigger than this this is stupid uh see ya <laughs> like yeah i can see it like you you start small because you lived as part of that world yeah and like that is your entire universe and then you realize wait there's a lot more universe outside this door. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Manhattan started as just a atomic physicist. He was a human. And then he like got discombobulated. And then in the movie, they discombobulated him again. And yeah, I would want nothing to do with this universe either. <laughs> so Badgie transcends Rutherford, wishes him luck. Good luck on being everything. Uh, <laughs> and then... Um, uh, Agamus goes back to his support group back in uh, Daystrom Institute. And maybe his light will stay blue instead of red. Yeah, that's right. That was a great thing. He can, <laughs> he can turn and shift his lights from red to blue. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and it sounded like it was an actual effort for him. Like, you could hear him, like, like really concentrating to make it happen. Uh, oh, gosh. Like, I, this kind of thing happens all the time. It's like a trope. Yep. Red lights equal evil. Like, even in Overwatch game I play, there are android-type beings called Omnics. And some have red lights and some have blue. And I'm like, they all they all talk as if they're normal. Like, fine. I'm like, you can tell he's evil because his eyes are red. <laughs> like, but I think they did the opposite on the 1980s cartoon G.I. Joe because each side, Joe or the Cobras, had like laser guns. Because obviously a, ki- a kid's show isn't going to have a real gun. And I seem to remember seeing that the Joe's guns shot red lasers and the Cobra's gun shot blue lasers. And I remember even as a kid thinking, wait, that's backwards. The bad guy should be red. <laughs> maybe things are wrong all along. Uh, maybe, maybe that standard just hadn't been established yet. Or maybe since Cobra Commander wore blue, maybe, I don't know. No, it was already established because Star Wars, but. Uh, um, oh, oh, good point. I love how Home Star Runner made fun of this with the cheat commandos, and the bad guys are called blue laser. Um, <laughs> But we have more episodes to talk about. Yes. Switching over to caves. <laughs> this is such a fun episode. Fourth wall thing. As they're making fun of how all the caves look the same. <laughs> because it's the same set every time redressed. And I love it. So they had the same story happening in the same place. Even in the cartoon, it was the same set? It wasn't the... And they probably modeled some parts of it. But in, in the episode itself, everybody's story had to place in a cave was the same place just redressed okay and this was an anthology episode which we don't get many of in star trek no it was close to get to it uh, um one of those bottle no, no no what's that one where they go the type of episode to call where a ghost story episode the episode at the end of like tng where they just recap the season uh oh there's a whole name for it i'm talking blank i don't remember any episodes that do that yeah, yeah, there's a whole episode that just uses clips from previous episodes because there was a writer strike in TNG at the end of season two. Yeah, Shades of Grey. Yeah, 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 that episode. Yeah, it was a clip. Uh, it's called a clip episode. Clip show, that's it. Yeah, but this is different. This is an anthology episode. It is. It made me think of it, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, I gotcha. No, there was a great episode of Batman the Animated Series back in the 90s where all of his villains are sitting around a poker table and they're each telling a story about how they, the time they almost killed Batman. So you have like a five-minute episode with the Penguin, a five-minute episode with the Joker, five-minute episode with Two-Face, and then they get to Killer Croc, and he says, I once threw a rock at Batman. And they all just stop playing (laughs) poker, and they stare at him, and he's like, what? It was a big rock. And that's his whole thing. Like, there's no flashback. It's just him saying that. (laughs) And then they move on to the next flashback. Uh, And they're not flashbacks in the sense of uh, clips from other episodes. These are all like original tales. They just framed it as let's all sit around the table and play poker. That's amazing. I loved it. So caves reminded me a little bit of that. I'm not sure I liked the individual episodes though because they were pretty momentous for being such short vignettes. Like I kind of felt the same way as Rutherford's friends. Like wait a minute, you had a baby and you never told us. I see, yeah, I think that's part of the charm as well. It's hilarious. They all had these big events and no one knew. It's like, uh, it's just like, I mean, things happen in my life. Nobody knows about it all. Like, when it happens, some things happen. And um, it also is kind of showing how things have changed as they're junior grade now. Uh, they don't go on missions together. They even point that out at the start of this one. Wow, we're actually on a mission together. We've been that's that true. For a while. 
so it's kind of poking in at that. that they are having their own separate events going on, even if it's a lot of them are off screen. Yeah, or with Delta Shift. Uh huh. Or with Delta Shift. <laughs> oh, Delta Shift. I did like that aging field that they found, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, God. Obviously, you're not going to keep walking toward it. You'll die if you do that. But they're like, no, we're going to, I'm going to get older before you do. We need somebody who's really young. And the fact that his leg actually fell off actually bothered me a little bit. It's no different than uh, very short checks. <laughs> the guy beams in and his guts just fly out. Um, yeah, I guess. I don't know. For some reason, I thought that was funny. It was like, I mean, they played again, fast and loose with body parts like a few weeks ago. Captain or Commander Ransom just had his teeth knocked out. Like, oh, we'll grow, grow, grow some new ones. <sighs> or the very first episode, Mariner just stabs Waymore with a ballast. Like, okay. <laughs> or maybe it was herself. In either case, someone gets stabbed with one. They're just very like, yep, we're in the future. <laughs> Things get fixed quick. No, didn't Mariner get hit like three times in the exact same place? Yes, with an axe in the. Yeah, that, that's, that's when I, I think that's when she was on uh, Tendi's Homeworld. Yep, oh, Ryan. Yes, um, but like when you when you live in a place in a TV show where the doctor can turn you back from a lizard person into a human, um, look at these split. Like, hey, you just laugh these off. Like, it's part of the joke, right? Just like the oh, we can fix it in an hour. <laughs> Although I remember in one of the first episodes of the Orville, and again, the first season was not the best of the Orville. One of the characters, I forget his name, was trying to teach Isaac the robot about humor. And the guy was like, okay, now you have to pull a prank on me, Isaac. And you have to do it when I'm least expecting it. <laughs> and so when the guy is sleeping, Isaac cuts off his leg. Yes. And I remember some of our mutual friends found that very unfunny. See here, I'm cackling about it. Like it was really stupid. It was so terrible. <laughs> it was the dumbest possible thing. But they went there. I just, I think for me, it's funny because it didn't expect it. Um, Nor did the guy who lost his leg. He yes. didn't expect it either. Uh, Rutherford has a kid. He has a bonding moment with Doctor Taana, uh, and end up raising a kid together for a bit. We had the. Delta Shift Chronoton adventure with Mariner. Yeah, that's where they lose a leg. And then uh, we had the other one was um, Boimler and Levy. And Levy's conspiracy theorist. Yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> the conspiracy theorist part or his sub sub story? I didn't like that Lieutenant Levy was right about some things. Oh. Because <laughs> um, I, I don't think we... I mean, I know that nobody's going to take this seriously. It's just a comic, but there are people out there who believe conspiracies and they live in their own world and they will not agree on the facts. And it's just, I find that upsetting and frustrating. And for them to take one of those people and be like, no, actually, he's right. Like, I know that I understand that Lower Decks is not making a political statement. I get that. It's just a uh, association that exists in my head that prevented me from enjoying that vignette. Well, maybe Boiler is just con- spreading the conspiracy too. No. Oh no. As these who knows that these Vendorians, which I forgot entirely, were from animated series. Oh, they were. Uh huh. I forgot that entirely. And so the whole joke of Levy here pretending they're real and making sh- stuff up. And then he's like, when that, some of the things actually come true, he's just as shocked. <laughs> like, no, was, I thought it was funny. But I'm with you. Like, uh, conspiracy theories and theorists are problematic. <laughs> Maybe not necessarily the lizard people one, but uh, there's a lot of conspiracies that need to shush and go away. So I was surprised as you were that one turned out to be real. Yeah. And even the Ben Dorian said that the facts that this guy got right were still mixed with a lot of erroneous information. (laughs) Right. So at least there's that. I did like Tendi's story, even though it wasn't set in a cave, it was set in an elevator. We want to hear her story. I thought her story was very cute, just like almost everything she does. It's just not, and by cute, I mean wholesome. Yeah. Like I was talking to a friend and realized like Tendi's first day on the ship is basically when Lower Decks begins because the other three were actually already on the Cerritos before Lower Decks started. Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten kind of, I've forgotten about that. And um, it was really fun to see Tendi's side of everything. Um, yeah. And it was just cute. It was sweet. 
That reminds me, when I was at Dragon Con a couple months ago, I saw more people wearing Ritos shirts than I saw wearing disco shirts. Uh-huh, that's fun. I can see I did, it. I did not expect that because disco shirts have been around longer. And disco has been around longer. Uh, Discovery is very contentious. For lower Decks is safe. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty clear who Lower Decks is for. Some people might not agree about who Discovery is for. All the politics they put in Star Trek with Discovery, because there's never been politics in Star Trek before Discovery. There, there, well, there's never been Stacey Abrams in Star Trek before Discovery. <laughs> uh, yep, all them politics. Never had it once before in my life. All right, let's switch to the inner fight. Which has nothing to do with the inner light. No, nope. What, uh, what? I don't see how one can make that comparison with a name like that. Nope, don't get it at all. <laughs> did you know that the guy who wrote The Inner Light did a graphic novel sequel called The Outer Light? I don't know if I did. If I did, I forgot entirely. I think it was supposed to, it was a proposed script for an episode of the TV show, and they decided that it would actually uh, lessen the original. But I think what happened was they found a cryogenic kind of like uh remember that first season TNG episode that reintroduced the Romulans and they found all those old uh-huh. earthlings that were frozen we're so back. it was yeah it was kind of like that except instead of earthlings it was the people from the planet that Picard's memory had been zapped to in the inner light so it was instead of earthlings it was people from the planet that Picard had spent 20 years of his memory in and one of the frozen people was the person he was married to in that life oh that's cool so now he has this memory of having been married to her, and she has none of those memories. Kind of like when LaForge fell in love with a hologram of Leah Brahms, then met the real Leah Brahms. It's like, oh, that's, not, that's an interesting plot. It's like Jean-Luc has these feelings. Right. Even if he has no feelings for her, he has these feelings he remembers having for her. Wait, Jean-Luc has feelings? <laughs> he might have one or two. <laughs> He's allowed. He, he has a quota. One a day. You're the inner fight. Yeah, what about it? Mariner is still having her issues that no one is able to figure out what's going on. And the captain's like, Get, we, we're going on a mission to try to solve this whole thing with this mystery ship that's going around destroying everybody. So she tells the other lieutenant's junior grade to go take her away on this very safe mission. <laughs> um, well, Cerritos goes and tries to hunt down uh, who or whatever has been attacking everybody. Should we talk about the Cerritos part first? Yeah, I mean, well, the Cerritos is specifically trying to get information about one of the four former Starfleet officers that they think is being targeted. And so, and the choices are Thomas Riker, Beverly Crusher, Seven of Nine, or Nick Locarno. <laughs> no one expected that last name. Um, I didn't expect, like, I mean, Beverly Crusher and Seven of Nine, we, both saw, we saw both of them on Picard Season 3 just earlier this year. Nobody's heard of or thought about Thomas Riker or Nick Locarno in a long time. So will this also kind of confirm or puts a timeline on some things from Picard. That means Beverly and Seven of Nine have all left Starfleet within a year of Star Trek Nemesis happening. Oh, r- remind me, is that when Lower Decks is set? Yeah, Lower Decks is about a year, year and a half after Nemesis. Okay. Uh, right now in the current time. So like, yeah, that means Seven has already left. Beverly has already left. And huh. see, the last time we saw Riker, was he captured after stealing the Divine, I think? Or gave himself yeah. over to the Klingons or Dominion, one of the two? Yeah, he was being held by the Cardassians. Uh, he was a member of the Maquis who got captured. And at some point, I forget, I read this somewhere, in I think in one episode of Picard, maybe, uh, it was mentioned that all the Maquis had, oh, that's right, when uh, Ro Laren showed up. Uh, Will Riker said how all the Maquis had been pardoned or something like that. So that would apply to Thomas Riker as well if he was released from Cardassian custody. Yeah, so apparently he is, was or got away. One of the two. And um, and then Nick Locarno, a name I did not expect to see ever again. Right, I mean, how can they do that? Uh, there's been a long, I think I even thought of it, to a rumor that they couldn't use that again, Nick Locarno, because so they would have to give up rights to something like that. Well, that's the whole reason they invented the character of Tom Paris. Uh, allegedly. Apparently, this has been just something the community has been spreading for years, and we took it for truth. 
when actually it was like Ron Moore, or something, one of the writers of Star Trek. Like they have no more rights to that character than anybody else. So, um, mm. so apparently it was one of those fan things that was never true. That's story. That, that's weird. It would have been awesome if they had just used Nick Locarno for Voyager. Yeah, I think if I if I, I could be misremembering, I think even Robbie McNeil talked about this on Delta Flyers, thinking it was a real story. <laughs> I could be mistaken. I, I it's been a while since I've heard that episode. Hmm. I know. Nope. Anyway, Nick Locarno. <laughs> so Cerritos goes around trying to find out information on um on this mystery ship. It's funny seeing Captain failing miserably while they have this clear. To me, it was so obvious. References to Star Wars. This is an homage to Star Wars with um this mystery person who is in a suit, uh, like the Mandalorian. All the planets they went visited gave me very Star Wars vibes. And I think that was very much intentional. Uh, loving homage to it. Well, I felt like the place they went to was a wretched hive of scum and villainy, for sure. Yes. yes. Uh, I did love the reference to the puppet character. <laughs> in the big face <laughs> that was a lot of fun because i don't think i actually saw that tos episode but it was a puppet back then right yeah and now it's real <laughs> in a way that you can only do with a cartoon right that was a lot of fun just watching their little problems and pitfalls and it was actually all part of um uh captain's plan all along a uh, freeman captain freeman now, see, I actually didn't realize that they were basically doing what Leia had done with the bounty hunter outfit in episode six. I thought the person under the bounty hunter helmet was going to be Nick Locarno. Oh, yeah, that's the thing that they wanted you to think. I mean, I think I think I did, too. Like, I had no idea who it was. I certainly didn't um, think it would be that guy who his family lives on a medieval spaceship. I can't remember <laughs> his name. Uh, he did not, our chief engineer. Yeah, he did not strike me as a bounty hunter wannabe yeah, billups billups that's it thank you uh-huh um yeah that was a lot of fun but that was all part of their plan they got through that they got their figure out their problem just in time because <laughs> our crew our lower deckers who are off on this very safe mission to go fix like a satellite um end up getting uh captured and sent to a planet where all the people from those ships turn out they were still alive and dropped off on this planet well, the people on that planet were the people who got overthrown. They were the original yeah. captains of the ship. The lower deckers got saved, as we'll right. find out in the next episode. It took, me, it took me a while to figure that out. But yeah, this was sort of a like the most dangerous game kind of episode where everybody is hunting each other and nobody trusts each other. Uh, also, I think the movie Enemy Mine is very similar to this. Uh, and then they were able to bring them together. And just in time... Uh, for Mariner to get beamed away. But I love the moment she had in the cave with the Klingon. I thought that was really cool. I, I like that too. That was a very sweet thing. Like, of course, it's like... Because it was in that moment in the cave when we finally find out why Mariner's been so self-destructive, not just this season, but perhaps throughout all the seasons. It was because she lost her friend Ensign Cito. Yeah, that I did not see. You know, honestly, I have no. feelings about that. Um but I'm glad we finally got an answer. Then it was this Klingon. Of course, it was someone during a fight who can get, and they had to pause their fight because yeah. of the weather, <laughs> which is hilarious. I have feelings about that reveal, but I'm glad we finally got an answer to why Mariner's been doing everything. Well, I want to hear your feelings. I'll get there in a second. I figured we talk about that first. But um, yeah, I that was cool. Like, wow, Cito. I never thought that would be a reference I'd ever hear again before. But the feelings I had for it was like, this feels so out of left field and there was nothing that built up to this that it kind of felt like it didn't have all the gusto it should have i can see them wanting to wait for the reveal but i would have loved to have some kind of hints <laughs> at all in all season well i can go either way with that i think if they had worked in Cedo, they probably should have done it way back in season one because when the show was called lower decks everybody was thinking of the tng episode lower decks that Cedo was in and they didn't make any connections to that episode. This, the fourth season's penultimate episode, is the first time they've tied Lower Decks into Lower Decks. Uh -huh. And so I'm glad they finally did that. I think, kind of like how you said earlier, there are things that happened to you that nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. I can kind of see that being with Mariner. I mean, this was clearly a traumatic experience for her. And I don't always talk about my traumas. Like, that's not something I wear on my sleeve. So I can kind of see why she kept it close to herself. 
And as soon as I heard Sito's name, like even before the sentence was done, like my eyes started tearing up because like that's a death in the history of Star Trek that I've always regretted. You know, oh, I yeah. thought she, I thought she was such a great character in that episode and her loss was so profound because she didn't even get to accomplish her mission. You know, it's not like in uh Star Trek, not Star Trek, the the Star Wars movie uh, Rogue One. Uh-huh. You know, in, in Rogue One, you know, there may have been some sacrifices, but they made a difference along the way. And I don't feel like that's what happened with Cito. And I've always regretted that. And so to hear her name come up in almost any context, just to know that she's remembered made it a little bit better. I I appreciate that too. And I don't have an issue with Mariner, the character, not sharing anything. I just feel as part of storytelling itself, I felt like it cheapened the reveal. Not necessarily ruined it. Don't take me the wrong way there. Right. It didn't come with the punch for me that I think it should other than, oh, wow, I didn't expect to hear that name ever again. Well, it's kind of like in Discovery Season 2 when we get to know the character of Arium just in time for her to die. Yeah, that was that was the worst. That was terrible. Um, <laughs> that was so poorly done. Anyway, uh, um, also, I bet you the actress for Cito didn't expect to ever play her again, too, because she retired from acting over 20 years ago or 25 years ago. I didn't know she retired from acting. Uh, she wasn't in this episode, the inner fight, but she did come back the next episode, which is the final episode of the season. Old friends, new planets. Yeah, I jumped ahead a little bit, but oh, well, then because uh, I, I forgot she didn't appear until there. But um, the I mean, she was just here talking about it, so that's why. Anyway, uh, the last final thing about the inner fight was that the whole thing with destroying the shield thing or the generator, whatever the, it was, the Trinar shield. Um, or whatever the device was blocking the planet uh, in the inner fight. It was totally from uh, episode six where they had to block the shield generator from, or destroy the shield generator that was protecting the Death Star. That whole building looked just like that to me. Again, more the homage to Star Wars. Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. So then, I mean, I guess it's kind of a cliffhanger, but not really. We end with um, the ship, the myster- mysterious ship beaming a mariner away. And then it to be continued. Yeah, and she's she meets Nick and she knows who he is. And this and remember, she didn't know that the other members of the Cerritos crew were off looking for Nick. She was not privy to that mission's details. So when she recognizes Nick, it's from her own personal experience with him. Yeah. To see him appear here, I, I had the same reaction. I was like, what? <laughs> like, even though they mentioned his name, I still didn't expect Nick Lacarno to show up. He looks much older than Mariner. Well, that's what everyone is like online discussion. People have been like, how old is Mariner? She's been through so much. And this eight dates her finally. Uh, she's in her 30s as well. Nick Lacarno in this episode is in his 30s and he's that gray. Uh, Mariner is. I mean, I have plenty of gray. I just turned 40 in my 40s. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that Nick Lacarno was a senior when she was a freshman. So he must be only about three years older than her. Uh huh. And he just looks older than someone who's in his late 30s, early 40s. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess I didn't, I didn't have a problem with that. But but then again, Patrick Stewart was 44 when TNG debuted. Yeah, and he, he looked old. I mean, I think he was 44. He was definitely in his mid 40s. When I was young, I thought he was old there. But then I'm like, no, actually, he's not old. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, this is embarrassing. I was working at Blockbuster. One of my coworkers was in his 50s. And after he left his shift one day, I said to the manager, hey, how old is Wayne? And they said 53. And I was like, oh, he looks good for his age. <laughs> and my boss is <laughs> Ken. He's 53, not dead. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was 17 at the time. Mm-hmm. Like 53 seemed really old. And now here I am knocking on 50s door. And well, not yet. I have another half a decade to go, but you know, I can see it from where I'm standing. And look good for your age. Hey, <laughs> I'm not dead. <laughs> but yeah, can we, shall we move on to the final episode? Yeah, starting out with old friends, new planets. Yeah. So there's a flashback here to Nova Squad. I made the same mistake one of my coworkers did actually is. Like I looked up all the actors and I was like, wow, that that is 
Robert Duncan McNeil. Wow, that is, as you point out, Sabriel, Shannon Phil, who's uh, acting for the first time since the 90s. That didn't sound like Will Wheaton, but that was Will Wheaton. And then there was the fourth guy. I was like, did they get back the same guy who played Josh before? And I, like, I spent several minutes of memory alpha trying to figure out who played Josh before. And it took me that long to realize, oh, right. The whole point of Nova Squad is that they killed Josh. <laughs> we never saw him. Right. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. That was that's not like Will Wheaton. That's him doing his kid voice. <laughs> there you go. That sounds like Will Wheaton. Uh, I'm a Starfleet. We don't lie. Yeah, you do. Not Starfleet. You lied about doing that starburst formation or whatever. He isn't. He wasn't in Star- um, Academy yet. Uh, anyway, that was Will Wheaton. It was so Will Wheaton, and you didn't hear it. That's interesting to me. Well, I did only watch the episode once, and I was watching it with friend of the show, Dana. Uh-huh. And sometimes when you're watching a show with somebody, you're also talking about it. Yeah, yeah. And so we were trying to be like, I think our questions to each other of, is that Will Wheaton, may have been over Will Wheaton's acting. <laughs> <laughs> so we sort of defeated it for ourselves. With this little cutback, we also see that Mariner was basically Boimler in her excitement about everything. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. She's so excited. Oh, little Mariner. We get to the real world Nova fleet. We get the discovery there. Oh, of course, Nick Lucarno has the starburst thing as his insignia. Of course. Of course. I'm still curious where he got all the tech because you and I, well, maybe me, were chatting on prior to this episode airing and I had a theory so you had seen the ninth episode i had not and i said i have a theory about who is piloting the ship that's kidnapping all these other ships and you're like what's that i said i think it's section 31 boimler because that's too big a thread to leave dangling i bet section 31 has the tech to do this and maybe evil boimler misses his lower deck friend so he's kidnapping other people's to make his own lower decks (laughs) and some of that wasn't too far off like nick lacarno was trying to recreate his own nova squad because he missed his nova squad But what I didn't get right is it being section 31. And that leaves the question of where did he get all those wonderful toys? Now we know the Trinar shield came from the Binars because apparently you can have three of them. But are we supposed to believe that that really powerful ship that was capable of depowering everything else is also Trinar technology? And if so, why did they choose to collaborate with him. We, we approach these shows so differently. And it's it, interesting sometimes. Well, that's what makes for good podcasting, I hope. It's like, me, like, it doesn't matter to me. A cartoon villain um, where he gets... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, no, 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 no. As in, like, it doesn't matter to me in regards, like, where he got the funding or ability to do this. Much like the Joker or uh, Penguin like, or, or any character. Now, I never said it mattered. <laughs> It's like, but I don't think of, as in, I don't think about those things. Like, okay. Yep. I just accept it as the, as the, it's not caveat as the, whatever it is of like, yep, this is just what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. As our uh-huh. friend TJ would say. And that's just me. Uh, but he pointed out that there's no uh, wood paneling or carpet <laughs> like on the Starfleet ships. Well, you know, that reminds me that uh, in the Strange New Worlds musical episode, one of the very first songs has the doctor and the nurse down in sick bay saying, you know, no emergencies down here, just the daily mundane, uh-huh. like a sprained ankle and a splinter. And I was like, whoa, 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 back up. A splinter on the Enterprise? What was there was, was there wood? Did they are they building these ships out of wood? Uh, one of my partners said the exact same thing. And well, Pike's room does have a wood paneling in it, but also. You can get metal slivers too. Splinters though? Or splinters, yeah. Yeah, you can get metal splinters. They're awful. Mm, did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like all the questions I just raised about where did you get the tech and why did the Trinars work with him? That's not on your radar? No. It's like, okay. okay, this is this is how this is what needs to have happened off screen to make this episode work. Like, okay. But see, I want to peek behind the curtain and see what happened before this episode. See, I'm usually that person. That's why I love DMing. I want to know how things work. I love watching behind the scenes shows. But when it comes to 
some shows or some fantasy, it has no interest in me at all. I'm like, this is, yep, this is exactly how we got, this is the way it is because that's how it is. So the fact that you are often like this, even if you aren't in this episode, means you can at least understand where I'm coming from. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Wonderful. But it's like, to me, I don't, I don't think that story is probably interesting. That's why we skipped it all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Works for me. Um, yeah. Um, and it clearly shows that it wasn't all um, gumdrops and Let, other happy things. Lollipops and rainbows. Those two. All of those happy things. Because <laughs> no one wants to listen to them. <laughs> like, he just gets out here and has this big speech. He's got some charisma, clearly. But once it actually comes down to it, no one cares. It's like, you can't tell us what to do. Yeah, it was amazing to me how getting kicked out of Starfleet ruined him so much that he's still bitter about it decades later. Like, like he was saying he had the perfect life taken from him. And he, at one point, he even said he graduated top of his class. You didn't graduate. <laughs> yeah, Mariner corrects him. And she even says, like, Josh died because of your ego. And he he can't face that. He still can't face that after all this time. You know, and just like how losing Cito uh, really had an impact on Mariner, Locarno lost both Josh and Cito. You know, the only person from his squad who's still alive besides him is Will Wheaton. Or, sorry, (laughs) Crusher. Wesley Crusher. Most (laughs) Actually, from most people's point of view, they have no clue he's still around anymore either. That's true, because he's a traveler now. Uh-huh. I would even posit, like, he doesn't care that those people died underneath him. Throw that possibility out there. He just sees it as his legacy. Remember everyone started the episode, everyone's like, everyone's going to remember you, Nick. And he's like, no, it's going to be Nova Squadron, but it's all for him. It's all his ego he was doing. He didn't care about his friends in that way. Yeah, even at the end, he was saying to his supposed equals, "This is these are my orders, you have to obey me. Mm-hmm. And they're like, nope, we're out. Where Mariner lost someone, he didn't really lose anybody. You know, someone died under him, he didn't lose anyone. That's, I mean, he did lose something, which was his shot at a perfect life. Right. Ridiculous. I didn't even like in the flashback his justification to Wesley Crusher be like, think of how proud Captain Picard will be. Mm-hmm. I'm like, even if they had pulled it off without fatalities, Captain Picard would have been pissed. Oh, absolutely. There would have been consequences anyway, even if nobody had died. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I'm disappointed that young Wesley Crusher, who knows Captain Picard so well because they were trapped in that desert cave together, that he fell for it. I know from Harry Potter that it's hard to stand up to your enemies. It's even harder to stand up to your friends. Mm-hmm. But I wish Wesley Crusher had said something and maybe Josh would still be alive. This, his blood is on Wesley Crusher's hands. Yeah, it was actually part of the episode. <laughs> was it? Oh, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I guess it was. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. Mm-hmm. Basically, we get Star Trek II Wrath of Khan all over again as Meritor steals the Fergie Genesis, Genesis device. And that did they even have one? Is this funny? It was a callback to earlier this season. Yeah, Someone yeah. I mentioned having it. Uh, can you remind me? I I wasn't able to catch this when I watched the episode. What was uh-huh. that Starfleet ship that Mariner stole? The ship? was um the you uh, it was named after someone who used to design ships and was it like featured in the season somewhere no no it was just a ship named after him but it was meant to be um uh, apparently um her mom at one point served on the ship and she memorized her mom's codes command codes um for whatever reason why did locarno have that ship we were never told like, did he even mention having the ship? Nope. She just happened to catch. She was running and she looked up and like, oh my God, like, like her, like there was no. No, that doesn't no make sense. All. There had to have been some reference, some mention of it. You don't just show up on a ship that you know your mom's codes to It'd be out of all the places in the universe. It could have been is right there. If there was, no one's caught it. That is weird. That is really weird. I think it's more like Deus Ex. <laughs> I don't like it. Kind of thing. No, um, I don't. I yeah. do not like that at all. That is ridiculous. Yeah, it was completely out of place. Like, all of a sudden, it just happens to be. I mean, so that she rolled a nat twenty, and all of a sudden, like, oh, there's a ship. Your mom's old ship is here. Score. Uh, yeah, but like that could have just as easily been the Stargazer or the Millennium Falcon. It could uh-huh. have been any. It could have been any ship. Yeah, I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> like how she calls the Genesis device the GD. Yes, I like that, and she actually like anthropomorphizes it. Yep. Yep. 
Um, well, all this is going on, Tendi has a plan right. to go break through the uh, Trinar shield by going back home. I love how all that is happening in parallel. Like they have time for that. Right. I love Erica so much. I love all these names from the Orions like Beth and <laughs> Erica and all these. And I just like Derica. I don't know. She's fun. She's cute, just like Tendi. Uh, and she's got a sword. Yep. So I love her. That whole that whole bit was great with um picking Maglimo, the therapist, the ship's therapist, to fight Beth. Because she has an allergy. <laughs> I thought it was cheap that the doctor didn't actually win because he made the Orion unconscious with allergies, but then she just happened to fall on him, and now she's the winner. No, she pinned him down. <laughs> I know, but when they when they declared that the Orion had won, I was like, "Wait, what? She did?" That's not that was that had not been my interpretation of the battle when it happened. Uh, Orion rules apparently. If she, if he would have just ducked out of the way, he would have been the winner. You know, there are so many rules of acquisition. Why can't the Orions have their own rules? Sure, uh-huh, why not? Uh-huh. <laughs> Even made up ones like in this episode. They're not made up. They're always adding new rules. I'm very careful about it. Anyway, <laughs> um, I mean, everything on Star Trek is made up. Let's yeah. be honest. But we we get a we get a moment with oh, uh, Rutherford, and was it um. What's that guy's name again from the earlier episode or season? Livick. He's having a feud with Livick. Livick. They're arguing about how to power up this derelict ship they get a hold, control of. And they have to go t- do some twaining to solve their problem. They do. They do. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you know that Livick is played by Nolan North, also known as Nathan Drake from the Uncharted video game series? Thank you. You know, it's funny. I had just recently read him being in here. I bet you I even read him playing this part. But um, didn't take it to memory at all. And you said Nolan North. I'm like, I have no idea who that is, even though I just looked him up a few weeks ago. I never played those except for that train mission, like opening mission mm-hmm. of one of the games where you're climbing a train that's falling. It's the only the series that like, name already is forgotten, left out my head. Um, Freefall for Safari, uh, Indiana Jones, but not um, Nathan Drake, who should have been um, Captain Malcolm Reynolds. Um, uh nope it's gone alan wake nope uh <laughs> i mean he's also been in a ton of video games like uh destiny the game that was made by bungie i like how you're just letting me make up all these names trying to remember the title of the series that you just mentioned wait those aren't real <laughs> those are all real but i'm trying to remember the name with this drake guy I was in and i'm drawing a blank um do you want me to tell you not indiana jones not I, I didn't i didn't know you had forgotten i thought you were just making i thought you're no just fun i'm trying to make come up with it i cannot i, I thought you were just letting me go i yeah i, I know you go i thought you Wait. were trying to demonstrate how forgettable it was no i mean maybe to other people it's a very popular series and i cannot think of it naughty dog makes it um do you want me to tell you um ishtar nope can't remember go ahead and tell me <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the first two letters UN Unity. Um undiscovered, un unbroken, un un undeclared. <laughs> this is we're not you're not going through customs here. Come on. <laughs> Uncharted. There we go. There you go. All this right. Is, this is why I don't remember actor names either. I say dude, what was in whatever, because this is what happens in my head. Uh so you just got the audio version of what goes in my head trying to remember people <laughs> i am so glad that we are recording this <laughs> uh, what i was trying to say was that he was also in destiny the series made by bungie they had originally cast peter dinklage and then That's when right. they released some dlc they recast peter dinklage with nolan north they re-recorded all the lines captain milk reynolds was in that game too i believe that is correct i was very upset with that game and I heard it was like, I'm sorry, I can't listen to you talk. I don't like, I'm not interested in the story at all, even though I love hearing you talk. <laughs> oh, I like Nathan. Anyway, anyway, we get a ship, we do some twaining, we crash it into the Trinar shield, and we get the captain's yacht. Yeah, I thought it, well, first of all, crashing an Orion battleship into a shield was awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a little similar to how. In Picard season three, they threw a rock at the changeling ship. Yes. And that was actually very similar to how Locarno died. You know, instead of effing solids, it was darn Ferengi. (laughs) 
Yeah. And then it was interesting to me that the entire senior staff felt the need to be on the captain's yacht together because that really eviscerated the command staff that was left on the Cerritos to the point where you have Boimler as captain. So I was thinking about that. I was like, okay, think of it from next generation or any other show with a hero show. Think of it because think of the show, think of this moment as them as the star of their own TV show. And then it made more sense to me. Not necessarily saying it's right. It just it made more sense to me that all of the command crew, of course, are going to be there because they're having their own adventures. They're they're starring their own TV show. Hmm. And it made more so, sense to me. So does that make sense? But it also shows a lot of improvement for Boimler. He talked down to, or he talked to an admiral and back talked to an admiral. That's awesome. His captaining was very good. Yeah. There's so much growth for Boimler since season one. Um, so good for him. Um, yeah. I love the comment about, I don't think we ever, we don't see the captain's yacht much. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great comment. Oh, we, we totally skipped over the whole Rutherford and Boimler talking about Nick Lacarno looking like Tom Paris. They have the same face. They're identical. I don't see it. <laughs> if anyone would see it, it's Boimler because he has a Tom Paris plate. I know, right? But maybe that's, so, maybe he's in denial. Uh, clearly it can't be because he would know. <laughs> And that's why I don't know if it was you, but somebody at some point, maybe it was on Twitter, uh, like when Picard season one aired and Picard mm-hmm. and Seven of Nine were together for the first time in Star Trek televised history. Somebody posited a scene where Robert Duncan McNeil walks in on the two of them and Seven of Nine says, Tom, and Captain Picard says, Nick. <laughs> and he says, he's like, he, and uh, Robert Duncan McNeil holds up his hand and says, please, please, I can explain. And then the show cuts to commercial. Yes. And when it comes back, he like Picard and Seven and Nine are saying, that makes perfect sense. Thank you for explaining. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't me, but that's brilliant. And then they just go about their business and they never refer to him by a first name ever again. <laughs> so I'm glad that they acknowledged it in some capacity. So much fun. I mean, I mean, like the season they solved the Tuvix problem. By making it even worse. Yep. And here they solve the Nick and Tom by just lampshading it. And killing one of them. Yep. Good times. Then we get Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Like so many scenes being recreated from that movie. And even sound effects and visuals. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like especially like the ending when when um the, the Genesis device blows up. Like that's the graphic they used. Like, yes. It was beautiful. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting to me that Mariner was looking for a deserted planet to launch the the Genesis device on. And in the end, it went off with no planet. It just turned a nebula into a planet. And I, I don't remember exactly how the Genesis device works, but apparently it does not need a planet. You know, uh, maybe think, but apparently not. Or, no, or it was close enough, because remember, she was going to the planet, right? I don't think it went off on the planet. I think it went off, I mean, it went off on the ship. That's what was, killed Locarno, and it was in the nebula. Where, where did, what, did it blow up on the, um, the Reliant too, didn't it? Was that the name of Carol Freeman's old ship? No, um, in Star Trek 2. Oh, I don't know. It was still on the Reliant when it blew up. I think you're right. So. Yeah, it doesn't need a planet. must be proximity, right? No, I think in Um, both cases, it pulled in the stellar dust from the nearby nebula and used that as its base matter. Yeah. I think they even said it in this animated series episode. I think they said, like, uh, you know, the nebula was transmogrified along with Locarno's atoms or something. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, um, it was the exact same exact same thing. Uh, I like how like here, like, like everyone just knows what a Genesis device is. Even the Frankie, he just made their own. <laughs> like it was this top secret project. Now it's just a well known thing. It's a black um, market Genesis device, <laughs> and of course, there's a paywall on there. <laughs> well, even in Picard season three, when they went to the Daystrom Institute, there was mm-hmm. a uh, Genesis device two. Hmm. That was one of the things they had, along with the body of James Kirk and a weaponized triple. You know, actually, a few weeks ago, there was some. They showed some more footage of more things that they had made to, for all those things for Picard season three. Yeah, like those secret things, like just to, like cycle through. There hmm. was some neat stuff on there, but stuff that never made it to TV, and therefore it's not canon. Yeah, but like even even in like Picard, it was still like Genesis device was still this top secret thing. But by lower decks, it's like, eh, yeah, it's just a thing everyone knows about, apparently. <laughs> and can make 
By the way, Memory Alpha says that this episode is set in the year 2381, and the flashback is from 2368, 13 years earlier. Mm -hmm. And so if she was a freshman, well, assuming that Starfleet Academy does freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, with ages similar to what we have now for high school, that would put Mariner now at like 27. Okay. And it would put Tom Paris at 30, 31. He's he, okay. that's like that's like even ten years younger than you and I were positing. Huh, something something seems off, but right about that. Like like you just logically right through it, but something seems like there's more there because everyone's talking about like is she in her mid thirties? So um, I'll maybe do some digging if I think of it later. Later. I mean, she does act like somebody in her late twenties. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember being in my mid twenties, early twenties, late twenties. Yeah, I was dumb. I mean, in ten years, I'm gonna you know. I'm going to look good for my age in my 50s, and I'm going to look back at me being in my early to mid 40s, and I'll be like, I was dumb. Yep. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> I hope so, because that means we're getting smarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mariner is rescued by mom on her TV show. Why couldn't they rescue Nick? They beamed Mariner out, but not Nick. Didn't, didn't um, she even say, like, beam him quick, quick, quick? But why couldn't they beam them out simultaneously? I don't know. That's a good question. Because. Because they, maybe they weren't going for him. They weren't looking for him. I don't know. I'm just throwing these ideas out. I don't know. I mean, I really like the idea of redemption. I like it as an arc. I would have liked to have seen Nick Locarno be redeemed. Uh, he did some terrible things in this episode, but he was hurting. I mean, I know that's... There's a difference between a reason and an excuse. A reason is why something happened. An excuse is why it's okay. What Nick mm-hmm. did is not okay. There's no excuse for what he did. But the reason he did it is because he was hurting. He killed one of his best friends and he can't admit it. And that inability to move forward past that mistake has defined his life. And he'll never have a chance to move past it now. And I regret that. I mean, there's definitely like if this was a longer TV show, absolutely. Or or, or an episode even, um, even more of a chance to do that. I can see where you're coming from. And I think everyone deserves a chance at redemption. I'm guessing more they're just going for a con type thing. Yeah more mimicking the show then because i don't think anybody would describe locarno as evil you know like i i could argue that khan was evil but yeah. i would never i would never argue that nick was evil no but in the end everybody wins everybody's happy and i thought it was very impressive that starfleet won without firing a single shot i did not consciously notice that when it was happening but looking back i was like oh yeah mariner didn't fire a shot the captain's yacht didn't fire a shot Mariner is Starfleet through and through, despite even if she doesn't like him all the time. That is Um, very diplomatic. I liked it. uh, However, not everyone is happy. You're talking about Nintendi? Yeah, Tendi had to go back to Orion. That was part of her deal to get the ship. Well, I mean, we had a season where that ended with um, Boimler leaving to go serve on Riker's ship. We had a season where Captain Freeman got arrested. Seems like somebody's always leaving, somebody's always coming back. But I thought it was striking the look on Tendi's face. She took a deep breath, said, "You got this," and the way her eyebrows arched downward, it almost seemed like she had a plan. Yeah, she's definitely got a plan. But she was not happy about having to start this. She she was sad when she got the call, like, "Oh, your sister's here to pick you up." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like oh, that's what I meant. It's like, not everyone's happy, but I think either she has a plan or Starfleet has a plan. Uh, and we're going to find out next episode, probably in the first three minutes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, I mean, this was, I think they said, like, diplomatic relations with the Orions for the first time ever, almost. Mm-hmm. And also, what Locarno was doing was kind of like what the Federation does, bringing all these disparate races together, the Binars and the Romulans and the Klingons. I feel like there's some potential for what he was trying to do, and maybe we'll see something fr- come from that in the future. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what he was going for. He was trying to make another Starfleet or Federation without the Federation (laughs) and without really quite understanding what it takes. He just kept making all these empty promises, right? That's a good point. Um, But he was trying to bring people together. That was his whole speech at the start. I suppose that's true. That's interesting. But what was the even the point of Nova Squadron? Like Starfleet is about exploration and science. What was the point of Nova Squadron? I think Nova Squadron was just a group of really good pilots, like a pilot training program. Just pilots? I think so. 
I mean, it was like more along the lines of a specialized training or like, you know, colleges have their programs. Yeah. Of people with special interests. I think I always felt it was more along those lines or a group for people who are really good pilots. Huh. Okay. Um, I could be wrong. I just I always know. had that impression. I could go to Memory Alpha, but that's not really the most interesting. I know. If people wanted to go to Memory Alpha, they wouldn't listen to Transporter Lock. <laughs> but I did like Boimler pointing out that Nova Squadron or Nova Fleet was not the first totally independent, unaligned fleet in the Alpha Quadrant. Oh, right. <laughs> Mock you like a word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Yeah, this has all been done before, but just for different reasons. But yeah, uh, so, that is Lower Decks. So season four, overall, I think it was fun. We got some growth for some of our characters. More of the same humor and slapstick and good stuff. So I, I enjoyed it overall. Just like I seem to all the time. How about you? I also enjoyed it, but I don't know that I can rank any of the Lower Decks seasons because they all kind of blur together for me. Yeah, absolutely. They all, I mean, and they all take place. I looked it up. They all take place within like a year time frame. This that season was the first season that a new year had rolled over since the show in universe since the show had started well that makes sense because like uh, next generation was 22 one hour episodes and this is 10 half hour episodes mm-hmm. so it would take them like four seasons of lower decks to produce as much content as one season of tng <laughs> yet they solve so many big huge problems much faster i mean the universe is expanding and accelerating and so are the problems in it <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> but yeah, I liked it. I loved it. I enjoyed it. I'll definitely go watch more Lower Decks if and when it airs. Looking forward to it. Uh huh. And I will definitely chat with you about it on Transporter Lock. Yeah, whenever that would be till 2024 where you get more Star Trek. And hopefully I won't be in Munich because our internet here has not been as fastidious as we would like. That's not even the right <laughs> word, but I think people can infer my meaning. It's not. It also hasn't been very circumference. Now you're making fun of me. No, I was going along with you. Uh. But see, fastidious means neat and tidy, but it has the word fast in it, so it sounds like the right word. <laughs> yep. I got all I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have more. Until then, hit it. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. Good job. Thank you. Let's hope this recorded. Yeah, right?